Hi and welcome to the White Hill podcast series. My name is Roger, I'm one of the pastors here at White Hill and we're glad that you've chosen to listen to one of the podcast messages today. Our prayer is that you would be challenged and inspired to take the next steps in your journey with God as you listen to this message. If you want to keep in touch with more things that are happening at White Hill, head to our website at whitehill.church and you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. Enjoy this message now. Uh, talking about challenges. A few years ago, uh, I got asked to volunteer in a coaching position for one of my kids' sports teams. It was the first time at that time that I'd uh, done something like that. It was even a sport that I hadn't actually played myself as a kid, so I didn't really have a lot of uh, relevant experience to be able to take into that uh, new challenge. You know, trying to teach young kids how to play a particular game as a team within the rules, while having fun, of course, and and playing with a reasonable level of uh, quality. Yeah, that's quite a challenge. Yeah, one thing that can be even more challenging, though, is... uh, Dealing with the parents, <laughs> dealing with the sporting parents. Now, I was helping out another parent who had been volunteering in this sort of role for, for a few years before I came and joined her. And it was easy to see that it was, it was that side of things that's, that was stressing her out the most, you know, dealing, dealing with the parents. You know, so I tried to step into this space a bit more to try and relieve some of that, that stress from her. And she did thank me one day for it, really appreciating it, um, that I'd been dealing with that difficult people side of things. I remember replying to her, I said, ah, oh, it's all right, I'm, I'm used to dealing with difficult people. You know, I'm a church pastor, yeah, which I was at the time. <laughs> um, not anymore, so I can say things like that um, in a church where I'm not the pastor particularly. <laughs> yeah, but if we're honest, yeah, we all come to see the challenging side of church life eventually, don't we? You know, we, we tend to have the same sort of tensions, frustrations, you know, conflicts that, that other community groups face as well, maybe even more for us sometimes. You know, if you spend enough time in church, you, know, you see that, that sort of stuff before too long. But the lady I said this to, you know, she was really surprised to hear that. I remember her saying, What? Really? So you're saying it's not all a, a bunch of perfect people who all get along all the time? I think I actually might have laughed out loud when she said that. <laughs> but she wasn't saying this even, even, even as if that would be a good thing. You know, it was like as if, you know, if church was like that, you know, the way that she assumed it might have been, you know, I could tell by the way that she said that, that, that to her, it probably wouldn't be the sort of place that she could ever see herself being part of. You know, it'd be a, it'd be a place with a bunch of people who were very far removed from where she was, a place out of reach, even if she, she wanted to seek out more in life, or even hoping to find something more in God for herself. Yeah, so the question I'm wanting to visit here this morning as we do carry, uh, continue on in this, this series in John, you know, is how do we invite or introduce people, you know, the unchurched, to a church that, that we come to know as imperfect? You know, how do we 
introduce the unchurched to an imperfect church. So we're going to be, as we do continue on in this, um, Andrew says reading up ahead into chapter 3 and that, we're going to be in chapter 2 of John's Gospel today, with the story of Jesus clearing the temple. So we've got it up on the screen here, or you can bring it up on your own Bibles or phones or whatever you, you do to read your Bible. We're going to be reading here from verse 13. It says, When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts he found people selling cattle, sheep and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip of cords and drove out all the people from the temple courts, all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. His disciples remembered that it is written, a zeal for your house will consume me. Each of the four gospels tell this story. There were some slight variations, as we see when we encounter these similar same stories throughout, around the four Gospels. Uh, John Butt is the only one who places this story at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. You know, others place it at the end, um, in that the, toward the Passion Week, um, as it's coming up to those Easter events. Oh, some people might say that you know maybe there was two events that Jesus did this. I'm more lean towards probably one, and it's more where where the gospel writers chose to place it in the story. I don't think that takes anything away from the reliability of these stories, but, you know, the gospel writers, the the people of of that time and culture, unlike us, they really didn't see it as an important thing to tell stories with their series of events in in exact chronological order. You know, they, they were more about, you know, what's the meaning or the point of the story that we're trying to get out? And I think that's probably what really matters when we look at these stories, rather than getting too caught up with those, um, you know, details that might seem a bit out of whack. You know, it was not the stuff that, that wasn't the sort of thing they, they really thought was very important when you're telling stories. So enjoy Jesus, John's telling of this story. You know, he presents Jesus, as we see, being quite agitated about the temple courts became, becoming somewhat of a market. This place of worship, a house of prayer, as the other Gospels include in their telling of this story, a house of prayer for all peoples, even one of them says. So what's Jesus, or what is the lesson here that John's trying to bring across in uh, in this story with Jesus? Is it that we're not, is it that we're to make sure that we we don't sell anything at church to avert the risk of turning it into a marketplace? Yeah, well, maybe that, that could, be, could be part of it. Yeah, it's certainly something we need to be careful with. We yeah, need to be careful that we don't create too many distractions from the main purpose of church, yeah, which is things like, like worship, where we sing songs together at the start of a, a service, yeah, prayer, having that part of our service, teaching, communion, yeah, and of course, fellowship, coming together with each other, with other believers. Yeah, I know the church here... Um, particularly in the morning service. I don't know if they open the coffee machine at the, in the evening service, but um, yeah, it sells coffees in, in the morning. And, um, and I reckon if it, if it means of paying a few bucks for a decent coffee, I, I'm all for that. I, I think coffee has actually become one of those main things 
um, that actually people gather around now, like like they gathered around meals and drinks in Jesus' time. I think I think when I was here one other time, you guys were having a meal together. But any of those things, if we chuck in a few bucks to <laughs> to help cover costs in an event that actually brings people together where we're, we're really encouraging that fellowship thing. And I don't think that's the sort of thing that Jesus is really trying to say that he's against in this story. Yeah, but in this story, Jesus' frustration, you know, he's what almost looks like a violent outburst, you know, was in reaction to the temple courts becoming a marketplace. Yeah, I'm wondering if besides being careful or as well as being careful, about how far we go with that in our churches today. I think we need to be careful too in the way in which we, in which we market the church. You know, trying to sell it to people. I mean that in the sense of, you know, even in our individual witnessing to people, you know, to our neighbours and our friends. You know, presenting church or, or marketing church as being a place, the picture of a perfect place, you know, with, with perfect people. You know, as churchgoers, maybe, maybe that's probably more what we're after, more than the unchurched neighbours and friends that, that are seeking, you know, something where they're, they're longing for something deeper in life that, that only God can offer us. You know, of course, marketing is a massive part of our culture today. There's a lot of money and research, expertise that gets invested into to drawing the masses <laughs> um, to the abundance of products that businesses are selling out there. I, I actually don't think the church will ever keep up with that or be able to compete with the, with the stuff that's being invested into that out there. But I don't think we have to either. Because you know, we're, we're part of something different here to what the world could ever offer. You know, I believe that, that people are actually looking for something different too to what the world is selling out there. Now, we don't even have to try and be different because we're in a place where, where God is at work. And I remember Roger saying last week in his message, I think it was, that you know, God is always at work. And when he was talking about how we approach people and introduce them to God through Jesus. If someone finds themselves at church and with a genuine seeking heart, you know, they'll find something in the worship, the prayers, Something in the sermon, or even if not mostly among the imperfect church, you know, the people here. I know I really found something in that when I first started attending church. You know, they'll discover God speaking to them in a personal way that He does to each of us in the different ways that are relevant and meaningful to each of us where we're at at any time. So this story goes on a bit further with a few more verses. And if we turn to the next part of this passage, and we read about the people in the temple demanding proof, you know, or more specifically a sign from Jesus to show what authority he has to be causing this sort of scene in the temple courts. So reading from verse 18, it says, The Jews then responded to him, What sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. They replied, It has taken 46 years to build this temple and you are going to raise it in three days? But the temple that he had spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. 
Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. Now, John's gospel includes several stories of Jesus performing miracles. Yeah, but John, John doesn't call them miracles. He doesn't refer to them as miracles in his gospel. He calls them signs. Yeah, I really like this about John's gospel. Yeah, because he presents clearly that, that each of the miracles performed by Jesus weren't really about the miracles themselves. They were instead signs that pointed to something bigger, a bigger meaning, a bigger message. You know, the sign of the Jesus turning water into wine, which is just before this story in, in John chapter 2, or of feeding the 5,000 on the hillside, the healings, you know, they all pointed to a bigger meaning than, the, than those events in themselves. You know, they were signs about you know, the new age that Jesus was bringing into the world at this time. They're often revealing something about Jesus himself. And John's gospel is the most shameless of the four gospels in pronouncing boldly, I remember Brad talking about this in the very first week when we started the Christmas series, that Jesus, that Jesus is God. In the temple, the people ask, what sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? And Jesus pointed to the sign, a sign that was yet to come in his ministry. You know, the climax in his death and resurrection. Destroy this temple, he said, and I will raise it again in three days. John says he was referring to his body when he said this. Jesus' death and resurrection, yeah, among other things, confirms the authority of Jesus to guide people in proper worship. To guide us in proper worship. You know, how to do church, how to be the church. In John chapter 4, Jesus talks about the time that he's bringing into the world now where believers will worship God in spirit and in truth. Now, to worship God in spirit and in truth is, is to be real in our worship you know, because God is real. You know, I, I have a real heart for the unchurch you know, because that's... That's where I was. That's where I come from. <laughs> you know, I didn't grow up going to church. It wasn't until I was in my um, early, probably closer to mid-twenties, that I had some people around me who encouraged me to ask a few questions about things, to seek out a bit more about God. So I started by reading the Gospels. You know, it really had a pretty significant effect on me. You know, particularly the words of Jesus seemed to strike something deep inside it was some time later then that I that had one of those encounters with God after praying what I think was my, my first ever prayer. Yeah, and that encounter left me, left me with no doubt in my mind whatsoever that God was, was, really, was really, well, real. <laughs> yeah, there was no turning back for me from there. It was still quite a journey. That's what this is, isn't it, with Jesus? It's, just a, it's a journey with new things all the time. But it took me a while to come to that place to even call myself a Christian and even start attending church. And then quite some time, even further in this journey, it brought me to a place where I began to recognize the realness of God in a whole new way. Now, what I mean by this is you know, seeing how, 
how real Jesus is, actually. Not in the sense of his existence, but his authenticity. Yeah, his raw honesty about things. As Jesus journeyed with his disciples about the place, we read about in the Gospels, witnessing to his disciples about God, about worship, relating to God in a real way, now, he didn't dress things up for them. Now, he didn't, didn't sanitise the message in any way, you know, making out the life of, that the life of faith was going to be a smooth road. He said quite the opposite. Not even that the life that we share with the faithful community will be a, will be a smooth road. You know, just look at the sort of thing that he did when he took them to the place of worship, you know, the temple. Jesus didn't even shield them from the frustration that he felt towards the religious establishment at that time. He didn't pretend that he liked everything about church. He was real and honest with them about things. I'm not saying that we go that far, that we bring our neighbour or a friend along to church and go causing a scene, tossing the coffee machine off the counter and things like that. What I'm saying though is that Jesus' realness... And he did things like that and said the things that he did, got into the conflicts, didn't hold back at all. You know, that didn't turn people away from God or the church. You know, for those who believed in Jesus, you know, saw the signs that he was presenting for them and believed the words that he spoke. You know, it sparked the birth of the church, grew it into the biggest faith-filled community the world's ever seen over the decades and centuries that followed Jesus' death and resurrection and ascension into heaven. So to wrap up the main points here in this passage, you know, it seems like the key focus that John is bringing out in this story, you know, comes in that point where, where the people in the temple courts are questioning Jesus about his authority to, to prove his authority to do what he's doing there? What, what sign can he show them to prove his authority? And Jesus points them forward to his death and resurrection. Now, among other things, this proves Jesus' authority. We look at this in hindsight now. You know, it, it substantiates the words that he's been saying about himself. You know, namely, that he is indeed God. God in the flesh. Yeah, revealing to us all the truth about God, God's realness, and his invitation for all to believe and be saved. Now, part of being saved, the work that Jesus does in us, is that shedding of the, the falseness that builds up in our lives, in us. You know, revealing our true selves that we um, often hide from the world or hide from others because we're afraid that it's not going to be accepted or, or loved. But in Jesus' way that he saves us, he, he helps us shed that away and reveal that in the way that we know that God accepts and loves that true self. As we journey in this and let those layers be shed away, I reckon that enables us to be real, to be more real, as he is real, as we see Jesus being real. Now, so bringing all this back to that question I put forward at the beginning, how do we introduce the unchurched to an imperfect church? Now, I'm not talking about White Hill Church. I'm talking about the whole church, which consists of all believers throughout the world, throughout all of history. 
you know, which from its very beginning has been imperfect. From the very beginning, it's had its challenges. Just read the, the letters, Paul's letters and the, and the other um, writers of the letters in the New Testament. You know, but of course, White Hill too is part of this wider, imperfect church. You know, something that Jesus demonstrated for us and teaches us in this story is that we don't have to worry about dressing things up for people to bring them to God, to bring them to church. If we give off, to the, impre- if we give off the impression to people that the picture of church is a, a bunch of perfect people who all get along all the time, then we give them the picture of a place that they're more likely to feel like they could never be good enough to be part of. And that's not what the church is, is it? It's not what the church is in in reality. It's not what Jesus intended it to be. You know, it was to be a house of prayer for all peoples. So to be effective at inviting people into what Jesus intends this to be, I reckon we simply need to be more real with people. Because that's what people are looking for. They're looking for something real. A real God who will meet them in a real way. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for who you are and that that you would show us who you are in a real way, coming into our world, meeting us in the flesh. We are grateful for the stories that remained, and are preserved for us in the Bible to teach us, to guide us, and leading us in proper worship and ministry. Lord, help us to be effective witnesses among our friends and neighbours, to be authentic and real with people. Lord, when the opportunities present themselves for us to, to witness to the unchurched out there, May we present this place, may we present the church as a place where they feel like they could enter into. A place with people as imperfect as they are. A place where you will meet them just as they are and speak into their life in the depths that only you can reach into through your spirit. We pray these things, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening today. If you live locally here in the Ipswich region, we would love to invite you to come and join us in person uh, here at one of our Sunday gatherings at Whitehill. For more information on our services or our ministries, head on over to our website at whitehill.church. If you're interested also in taking next steps in your relationship with Jesus, please also at our website, hit the connect button And let us know where you're at. We would love to catch up with you either over a coffee or on a phone call to chat with you about where you're at. We hope you've enjoyed watching this message and we pray that God would continue to bless you as you seek to seek Him in your daily life. God bless.